Thank you, Miss Donna, for playing that song. Brother Andrew, Miss, Mr. Justin for singing it. I, sl I slipped over there and I said, can you do this? She said, boy, I don't know. That's an old one. It is an old one, right? But I've never forgot it because had it not been for the touch of the Lord upon my life, I don't know where I would be. But because he touched me, I walk in victory every day of my life, don't you? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Can I just tell you how much I love you today? I think the world loves you, every last one of you. There's not a one of you in the house that I don't like. I like every, every one of you, and just to see you come into the house of the Lord is such a blessing to me. I want to invite you to help me over the next few weeks. I really want to finish this year strong. And I mean in every way, I want our church to finish strong. I want to see our seats filled up. We've been there before in the past and we can be there again. I want our finances to be strong so that we can be doing the ministry that God's called us to do. I want you to be strong. I don't want us to be discouraged and frustrated. I want us to move into this new year and new season. Believing God in a way like we've never believed Him before. Trusting Him to do things among us that we've never seen before. Because God is able to do that. He is the Creator. And He can create and speak things into existence that we haven't even imagined yet. I don't think our best years are behind us, church. I think our best years are ahead. Amen. We've got seed planted in the ground all around this globe. And I believe that harvest will come. Not just because of our role, although we do have to plant the seed. But because once we get the seed in the ground, it is all up to the Lord then to bring about the harvest. He said, pray ye to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers so that we can bring that harvest in. I believe he's going to do that, don't you? Praise the Lord. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd like for you to grab them and turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Now, you'll have to actually get your device out today or your Bibles or whatever because our screens uh, will not have anything on them other than what's up there right now uh, because we've got some folks out of town and I can't do that and simultaneously do this. So we're going to do it the old-fashioned way today. I'm going to preach without anything on the screen. I haven't done it in a while, but I think I can handle it. I think I can do it. If you can, if you can listen and receive it without it on the screen, I believe I can give it without it being on the screen. Amen? We used to do it all the time. I'm thankful for the screens, but sometimes you just have to move on from them. So today, I want to talk to you uh, about something that has really been burning in my spirit the last few weeks. I, I just, I have a sense of urgency in my spirit that we've got to get busy planting the seed of the gospel in our community and in our families. I believe Jesus is coming soon. 
I, I mean, you, if you've been in the church for many years at all, you, you have to believe that Jesus is coming soon. And I know that you can make the argument, well, pastor, I've heard that preached for years and years and years, and Jesus hasn't come yet, so maybe you're just feeling something that was caused by late night pizza. And I would just simply say to you that when you look at the world and the condition that we are in today, and you take that and you look into the Word of God and it describes what the last days are going to be like, you can't help but believe that today could be the very day that Jesus Christ comes again. And I will tell you that if today were to be the day, or tomorrow, or the next day, more than anything, I want him to find me being about the Father's business. Because my life has no meaning at all unless it contains the purpose that God has placed upon my life. And I'm the pastor and I lead in this setting, but God has likewise put a calling upon your life. And there's a purpose for you to fulfill. And I want us to begin to feel the weight of that as a church and personally. That God has a work for us to do. And we must be busy doing it. So I want you to look at Matthew chapter 26 this morning. And you know about the context of this passage of scripture. Jesus knows that it's a matter of hours before they are going to come and get him and take him to a cross at Calvary. Where he is going to give his life for this world that we live in. He is going to take our sin upon himself. And he is going to be nailed to that cross and with it the sin of the entire world. And because of what Jesus is about to do and he knows that he is about to do, he is feeling the weight and the heaviness in his flesh. Now remember, Jesus was God and man at the same time. He has always been God, and He always will be God. But for a period of time, He took upon Himself a fleshly body so He could do the work in that body that could be done no other way. And so we find Him in Matthew chapter 26 in the Garden of Gethsemane where this body that He is in is feeling the frustration and the weight of what he is about to do. And so I want you to read it with me this morning. Matthew chapter 26. And beginning at verse 36. Read with me if you will. It says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I'll go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter... And the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. And so remain here and watch with me. 
And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation, for the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Father, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that you'll help me to preach effectively and to be able to say what is on my heart and in my spirit and to say it in a way uh, that we'll be able to receive it and accept it and apply it in our lives today. Lord, we want to do all that you've called us to do. We want to be who you've called us to be. And it is the primary reason that we exist, is to do the work of the kingdom of God. To expand your kingdom in our heart, and to expand your kingdom in our community. So Lord, help us to receive this word, and to pick up that burden in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For three years, Jesus had spent virtually every day and every hour with his disciples, trying to get into their soul and into their spirit what was going to happen and what had to take place in order to relieve this world of the penalty of sin. He had been talking to them and he had been sharing with them what needed to take place. In this context, he had three of his disciples with him. The first one was Peter. The second one was James. And the third one was John. And they clearly saw in his face when he said in verse 37, it says he began to be sorrowful and deeply troubled. And that was his word to them. And then in verse 38 he said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. Did you notice that word, watch? He said, I want to call you to do something that is probably unnatural to you, but is something that will be absolutely necessary if you're going to succeed in doing what I have called you to do. And then he goes by himself and he begins to pray. We read it in verse 39 where he says, My father, if it is all possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And when he turns to his disciples, after having told them to watch with him, he looks and he finds them asleep. They are sleeping when they should have been watching. And that is when Jesus says to them, What? You couldn't even watch with me for one hour? And you see what Jesus was asking them to do was something that only they could do. He could not force them to watch. He could not make them watch. 
He could not say, you must watch, I demand it. He told them to watch. And then he goes on to tell them a little later that the reason that they needed to watch and pray was so that they would not enter into temptation. Let me tell you, in these last days, we need to be stronger spiritually than at any other time in our lives. There should be nothing that tempts us and creeps into our lives that steals our spiritual power from us. Because the Bible already tells us that with every temptation that comes our way, He has already provided for us a way of escape. There is no way that our temptations should have victory over us. We should beat them down in the name of Jesus every time that they come against us. And he said the way that you do that is to watch and pray so that you shall not enter into temptation. I started thinking about this time of watch. And I reminded that these men would have automatically gone back to the prophet Isaiah who spoke many years ago in response to what God had said to them. So if you still have your Bible handy, grab that and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 62. Isaiah chapter 62. And I want you to read with me, first of all, verse 6. Are you ready? It says, on your walls, O Jerusalem, I, say I. Who is the I here? It is God himself speaking through the prophet. So he is saying, I, God, have set watchmen all the day and all the night, and they shall never be silent. In other words, they are never going to stop watching and they are never going to stop working because they have been set there by the hand of the Lord. Now I want you to go down to verse 10 with me if you will. It says, go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build it up, build up the highway, clear it of the stones, lift up a signal over the people. For behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called, sought out, a city not forsaken. Now when these three disciples heard Jesus say watch and pray because they were trained in the Old Testament and trained in the law, they would have been fully aware of these words that were spoken by the prophet Isaiah when he said, God has, has told me and wants me to relay to you that he has set watchmen on the wall. Men who have been placed there by the divine hand of God who have, have divine assignments upon their lives. 
these individuals that were on the wall in Jerusalem were not there because they signed up for it. They were not there because they applied for the job. They didn't put their resume on Indeed.com in order for someone to call them and ask them if they would like to sign up and get paid to do this. No, they were put there because God had divinely appointed them. He had divinely anointed them and He had divinely assigned them to take their position on the wall so that they could protect the people of God and keep them aware of what was going on. So what do we do? What were they doing? Well, let me, let me say, when he, when he said, watch, here's what he was saying to them. He was saying, it's time for you to wake up and be alert and aware of what God is going to do to bring the enemy down. And he's going to do it through you. Can I just tell you that we live in a world that has gone absolutely nuts and crazy? And the problem is that in many instances, the people of God are sleeping like those disciples were sleeping in the garden instead of being keenly aware of what the enemy of our soul is doing, being keenly aware and alert to the way that the enemy is coming after us. We better wake up, church. And we better know that the enemy is taking his, his best shot at the people of God. I read an article just this week that declares that the church in America is dying at a faster rate than it has ever died before because people are no longer coming to church and being sold out to Jesus, they are just simply being spiritual. Listen, it's all right for us to be spiritual. I like to think that I'm a spiritual man. But more than just being a spiritual man, I am a follower of Christ. You can be spiritual and follow Buddha. You can be spiritual and follow Joseph Smith. You can be spiritual and follow the Hindu religion. You can be spiritual and be so many things that I could take the time to mention to you today. But I'm telling you, if I read the Word of God right, there is only one Savior that has been sent to this world. And His name is Jesus Christ. And He is the founder of the Christian church in the world today. And we must be watching. Parents, we must be watching our children and see what they are watching. There comes times when we must take certain apps off of our uh, televisions because these things are teaching things that are contrary to the Word of God. We are to watch and to be alert to the things of the enemy. Those of you who are Working in a secular environment, it's difficult for you to be a Christian there because you're around people who do not believe the same way that you believe. And you must watch and be alert to when the enemy of your soul might be sneaking in to cause you to start thinking a way that makes sense to you 
but it is contrary to the Word of God. Now let me tell you, there are many things in the Word of God that make absolutely no sense whatsoever. I could name them one after another after another, but when God says it and declares it, whether it makes sense to us or not, is not the issue. The issue is obedience. The issue is saying to yourself, I have to be careful here. I must walk softly here. I must watch so that nothing is able to creep in unawares. I must always be alert to the things of the enemy. I tell you this week, I got a little bit of an attitude about something that I had really no business getting an attitude about. I've been preaching to you now for months about you can't offend me. I'm not offended. I have to choose to be offended. If I'm going to be offended, it's on me because I'm the one who has to choose to be offended. And this week something happened and I just decided I'd pout a little bit and be a little bit offended this week. Now, I know you're looking at me and saying, see there, I knew you weren't uh, as good a pastor as you think you are. Let me tell you something. I'm human just like you. And there are things that happen sometimes that just hurt my feelings. They just get on me. And I immediately begin to react rather than respond. And I had to go and ask the Lord to forgive me. Say, Lord, you know, this thing that I'm offended over is not even important to me. I don't even understand why I would care. I don't understand in this moment why I would do that. And suddenly it dawned on me that the enemy used a raw nerve to sneak in and irritate it just enough to make me think about it and think about it and think about it and think about it until finally I was offended. And I had to ask the Lord to forgive me. To be offended in the first place because the thing that I was offended over was not important anyway. So what I'm saying to you is, is that we must in these last days watch and be aware so that we will not sin against God. came to me this week as I was thinking about this. I wonder why he wanted them to watch. I think what he was wanting them to do was not necessarily watch themselves in that moment. I don't think he was necessarily asking them to watch to see when the enemy would come into the garden because Jesus knew that was going to happen. He knew they were going to come and get him. And it dawned on me and it came into my spirit that what he wanted them to see and to watch was him as he defeated the enemy in a fleshly body by praying and seeking the Father's face in a moment when he was on the verge of wanting to give up and quit and look for an alternative way. Lord, if there's any way, Father, if there's any way, that we can do this differently. Jesus knew that he had been selected by the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The scripture says from the foundation of the earth. He was the lamb that was slain. And here he is in his moment of temptation. 
where he's saying, Lord, could we revisit this? Could we think about this again? Is there any other way that this could be done? And you know what? He wanted those three disciples to see him being tempted in the flesh and yet not giving in to the flesh but instead rising spiritually and overcoming in a moment when he could have very easily quit. Can I just tell you that there are times when you are tempted to quit, to give up, to become angry, to get frustrated, to give in to fear, to give in to anxiety, to refuse to do what the Scripture has to say and be disobedient to what God has called you to? Can I tell you that in those moments... You need to remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when He is going through the very same thing that you're going through in that moment. You said, you mean Jesus can feel what I'm going through? Well, that's what the Bible says. It says we, are, we have a Savior who is, who is not, uh, he's not concerned with, that, with Himself, but He feels the feelings of our own infirmities. The scripture tells us that he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. When you're feeling like giving up, when you're feeling like being disobedient, when you're feeling like copying an attitude, when you're feeling all those temptations, remember Jesus in this garden, in that very same moment, Saying to those three disciples, watch this as I show you how a man can be in the flesh and in the spirit at the same time. Flesh in the sense that you're carrying around the body, but spirit in that inside of you is a power that is greater than anything the enemy can do in you and to you. Watch, he says. And then he says, pray. Pray is something that we do. It represents the work that we do. And I know people that they think, well, if I get saved, that's all I need. I can just get saved and then all's good. I can just quit right there. But did you know that God has a work for us to do? Listen, I love our church. I have the opportunity from time to time to time to time to, to worship with others. And I can just tell you that I can't wait to get back to our folks and our people. I just love this church. And I love you. And I love worshiping with you. And I love coming into the house of God and just feeling good about my relationship with you and our relationship together. I love it. It's just wonderful. But did you know that this is only one of the things that God has called us to do? God has called us to make a way in the wilderness for those who are without the blessings of God on their life like we are. He's asked us to pray and to minister to people in the midst of our own difficulties. He has called us, and in Isaiah we were looking at that passage of Scripture. I want to point out three things that, that the Lord says here in this moment. Look, look at Isaiah again and notice verse 10. Notice verse 10. He says, 
go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, clear it of stones, and lift up a signal over the peoples. He's given us a job description. Here's what he's asking us to do. First of all, he is asking us to prepare the way. What they had to do is they had to go through and they had to clear the rubbish out. They were going to make a road down through here and they had to clear the rubbish back. They had to get all the junk out of the way. They had to remove the tree limbs. They they had to remove the undergrowth on the road. They had to prepare the way for the people to be able to move from one location to the next. They were going to be moving out of their difficulties and out of their defeat and out of their frustration and they were going to go to a place of victory but they could not get from one place to the other place without the people of God preparing the way. You know, I want to be a way preparer. I want you to be a way preparer. I know so many times in our lives that we come crawling in here after a hard day's work and after a hard week and after a difficult time and many times we're not thinking about anyone but ourselves because of our own difficulty. And if we're not careful in those moments, we will get so inwardly focused that we forget that there are people that are in much worse shape than we are. They need a Savior. You have people in your family that need a Savior. You have people on your street that need a Savior. You have people around you that you need to begin preparing a way for, their, for them to find their way to Christ. You know, one of the things that, that I kind of disagree with in this day and age that we live in, there are so many churches, and particularly in a, church, in a city like Louisville, that, that we, don't want, we don't want to force anyone to feel like they have to come to our church. It's like, well, just find a church. Get a church. But you know, if you don't invite them they oftentimes will not find any church at all. I'm not ashamed of our church. I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of the pastor. I'm not ashamed of the music. I'm not ashamed of the staff. I'm not ashamed of our church. I want people to feel free to come to our church. I want to be saying things to them like this. I'm telling you, you need to come to our church. Our church is good. I mean, we we love Jesus. That's what it's all about. We experience Him. Every week we come in here, and boy, we just let Jesus know how much we love Him. You need to come with me. Will you come with me? I'll sit with you. You'll come with me. I want you to come. Come on. What am I doing? Am I trying to get the crowd built up? No. I'm preparing a way for them to come into a house that will allow them to experience the love of Jesus Christ. we got to be cutting down the branches. We've got to start preparing a way. He told them to remove the rocks. Did you notice that? He said, remove the rocks. Get the stones out of the way. 
Why would he ask them to remove the rocks? I'll tell you why. Because he wanted the path to be smooth. He wanted to make it easier for people to come into a relationship with Christ. You know, it's time for us in the church to make it easier on sinners to come to church. Well, I can't go there because I, you know, I, I've been told that if I go to them Pentecostal churches, I got to stop dipping snuff. I, I'm told I'm told that I can't, you know, wear this or do that. I, I've been told I can't get no tattoo. If if we'd start taking our clothes off right now, I think many of you'd be amazed. The old time church. I, I told somebody one time. I said, if I if I ever do get a tattoo, it's going to be the Church of God logo. Praise God! Flames coming up from it everywhere. That's why I'm going to be like you know Wanda Sloan put on her her uh, uh, stone in the graveyard. Church of God logo. Listen, I'm not ashamed of the Church of God. I'm not ashamed of who we are. I'm not ashamed. We've just got to make it easier on people. To come into the house of the Lord and feel okay. And not feel like that people are looking down their crooked noses at them. And feeling like that they are under judgment. And can I just tell you that Spirit Life Church is one of the most easygoing, non-judgmental churches that I've ever been associated with in my ministry. And I'm so thankful for that. I really am. We've had people come here and try it for a while and then leave. And they say, well, I, I, I'm not coming there anymore because I felt like people were judging me. And I said, Spirit Life Church? No kidding? You felt judged at our church? Let, let me tell you something. You must have been thinking about some other church. Because that's not our church. We've got some of the most loving, open-minded, caring people that you will ever want to meet in the kingdom of God. We want to make it easy for people to come here. He said, well, you know, I got here a little later than usual and they were sitting in my seat. And I had to go over there and ask them to move somewhere else. Really? You wouldn't do that. I remember some years ago, it's been a while now, I remember Jack and Peggy, they came in and somebody was sitting in their seat and the other seats were full and we had a house full and Jack and Peggy came in and they came over to me and they said, Pastor, said all the seats are full and there's no place for us, so we're just going to go back to the house and let the people who are here today have our chairs. It's okay, we've loved Jesus long enough that we're not going to lose out on Him now. Aren't you thankful for people like that? People who are not judgmental. People who are picking up the stones and getting them out of the way so that people can walk down the pathway to find Jesus. He said, pick the stones up. And then he tells them something else. He says, you need to pave the way. In the scripture, here's how he said it. He said, build up the highway. Build up the highway. Can I just tell you that this highway that that he was talking about was a different highway than what they had had. The highway that they had walked before was the highway that they came down out of bondage. 
and out of failure and out of frustration. And they weren't ever going to go back down that road, back into bondage, back into captivity. They had their eyes set on a new place and a new way. And let me just tell you something. I've known people through the years, and thank God we don't have any here that I'm aware of, that they're always looking back. They're always wishing that we could go back to the old Brush Harbor meetings and the tent revivals and all that kind of stuff. If we could just get back, if we could just go back. I don't want to go back. I want to go forward to what God has for us. But in order to get where God wants us to be in this next season of Spirit Life Church, we're going to have to raise up some new pathways. We're going to have to get with the program, as they say, and create ways that a contemporary culture can understand the gospel and relate to it and become a Christian. So we've got to build some new ways. And you're going to be hearing it from me over the next few months. I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not satisfied to keep things the way they are. I'm not satisfied to just let things be the way that they've always been. No, not when God is doing a new thing. Not when God is raising up new people. I was in camp meeting this year. And I told my wife on the way to the hotel after the service, I said, I so enjoyed that message by Tony Stewart, who was just elected to our executive committee, I said he preached such a powerful, wonderful, on-time, contemporary word, and it thrilled my soul. And you know why? It was because he said it in a way that younger people can understand. I have to teach myself to let go of some of the language that I've always been accustomed to using. I've been trying not to get up here and preach and say things like, Well, glory, hallelujah. Because the new younger generation, they don't understand that kind of nonsense. It's like, what in the world? What did he say? Glory, hallelujah. Yes and amen. I mean, those are all good things to say. There's nothing wrong with that. But when they come out of a culture where the language that they hear is different, they need to hear the gospel in a way that they can understand it. And so when God moves upon you to witness to somebody, you need to do it in such a way that they can understand. Jesus used parables all the time. Things that they could look at and see. And through those parables, many people would come to Christ. We've got to build some new roads. We've got to do some new things. Years ago, we used to do uh, uh, vacation Bible schools, and, and, and we would get buses and go out to the, to the neighborhoods and bring people in on buses. And how many of you know there are very few parents these days that are going to put their kid on a school bus to go to a church somewhere? It just doesn't happen that way anymore. So we've had to find new ways. That's the reason seven years ago we started the child care center. So that we could find a new way to connect with our community. That's the reason that we started the school. So we could find a new pathway 
to get with our community and let them know. That's the reason that anytime more high school has asked us if they can use our gymnasium because they're out of space, our door is always open to them. You may not know this, but the police precinct next door has been playing basketball in our gymnasium on Sunday afternoons when they get off work. They take their uniforms off and they put their shorts and their shirts on and tennis shoes and they come back here and they play basketball in our gymnasium. You say, why are you telling us all this? Because we are striving with every ounce of energy that we have to build up a new pathway that will allow us to be in contact with our community. And we have to find ways to do it. If it means we got to eat a hot dog on our parking lot with a food truck out there, then bring on the hot dogs. If it means that we have to, if we have to do fall festivals and set up the trunk of our car so that little children can come by and get a piece of candy out of the back of our car, we've been doing it for years. But do you know why we do it? It's not so that we, you can dress up like devils and demons. By the way, why don't you try something different this year? Instead of being a demon this year or a devil, why don't you be an angel? You know, why don't you be an elephant? I don't care. But this ain't about the devil. We don't want them to know about the devil. We want them to know about Jesus. Now, don't come dressed up like Jesus. No, you don't have to do that. But let's, let's create a positive atmosphere where people can walk upon our parking lot and feel the love of Jesus Christ and let them know that there is a Savior named Jesus uh, who can save them from their sin and set them on a pathway to heaven. And then finally, and I'm closing, come on to the music if you will. He told them to point the way. I had a surprise for you today. I couldn't make it work though. We were going to have one of those, uh, I call him floppy man. We put him out by the sign when we're doing enrollment and all that kind of stuff and we turn the fan switch on and floppy man rises up and he starts flopping himself around himself around and I thought it'd be great to hide it underneath that chair right there and run some electric to it when I get to this point in the servant just sleep to slip down there and hit that thing and let floppy man come come alive we got to point the way to Jesus you know how they said that in the Old Testament? I've got to raise up a what? A banner. You got to raise up a banner. Any time that the battle was on and the army went out, there was somebody who was holding up a, an armor or a, a banner. They were holding it up so that they could see which way are we advancing. This one is for Buddha. If you want to go to Buddha, go over here. Muhammad, over here. Come on over here. Democrats, over here. Republicans, over here. University of Kentucky, over here. U of L, over here. It's not a good day to be either one of those this morning. Can I get an amen?
It's okay if you feel drawn to Buddha, go ahead. Oprah says that we're all going to the same place anyhow. It doesn't matter how you get there. And now Shania Twain is fighting with Oprah over what it means to be spiritual. Have you read about that? Heard about that in the news this week? Shania and Oprah almost got in a fight just recently. Because Shania said, I'm spiritual. And Oprah said, me too, but not like you. And they start arguing about who's spiritual and who's right and who's wrong. Can I just tell you they're both wrong? Because the Bible says there's only one way to heaven. Hey, you're not going to get there through Oprah. You're not going to get there through Shania. Man, I feel like a woman. It ain't going to work. There's only one way. You know how? His name is Jesus. And so we have got to start raising the banner that points people to Jesus. When something good happens in your life and you're at work and you're just having a great time, just go up to people and say, you know why I'm feeling so good today? Because Jesus did a work in my, He healed my body. He allowed me to have resources that I didn't know that I needed or I was going to have. And I just want you to know how good Jesus has been to me. I know that Jesus will supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. We've got to start Pointing people to Jesus. We've had Muslim people come to our school and say, we want to put our kid in your school. And we'll say, you, you do know. You are aware that we're Christian, right? Yeah, we're aware. You do know that we're not going to say anything at all, ever, about Muhammad. You know that, right? Yeah, we know. You do know that we're not going to be silent about Jesus, right? Yeah, we know. Then we allow those little Muslim kids to come into our center and into our school, and every day of our lives, our teachers are raising up the banner of Jesus. And they're declaring Jesus is alive and well. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God who gave His life for the sins of the world. He was crucified on a cross at Calvary and they laid Him in a tomb. But three days later, Jesus rose again and ascended into the heavenlies where He is alive forevermore. He is seated at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for the saints of God. I don't know about you, but I'm in the mood to tell somebody about Jesus. I'm in the mood to make sure that the people in my circle of influence know that the reason that I'm victorious is not because of me, but it is because of Jesus. It's because of Him. We've got to point them to Him. We got to move them in that direction. So, well, can I can I give you a hard word today? Are, will you receive a hard word today? I've known people who've said, "Well, Pastor, I'm just not a witnesser. I I I, I just can't tell other people about Jesus and what He's done for me." Here comes the hard part. Did you know that the Word of God says 
that if you are ashamed of Him, do you know the rest of it? He will be ashamed of you. I cannot bear the thought that Jesus would ever be ashamed of me. But that's what the Bible says. So you know what I hope and pray? I pray that the Lord will just be opening doors for you to walk through. And that when you come down the path, you'll be moving the stones and moving the rocks. And, and move. You know, sometimes our own attitude serves as a rock. There are people that don't want to come to Jesus because they know how you really are. But did you know you can move that stone out of the way? Did you know that you can get it clear? That you can create it? You say, well, I, I've witnessed to that person 14 times and they've never come to Christ. Raise up a new pathway. Find a new way. Stop being so belligerent with them. And put your arms around them and love them. Create a new pathway. And then when the time is right, point them to Jesus Christ. Stand with me if you will. We are at a place in the history of our church where we can either get satisfied with the way things are or we can shake ourselves and say, God, we want the very best that you have for us. See all these empty seats in this house today? It's not acceptable. Not when Jesus is coming again. It's not okay for us to just go to church and feel good about it when there are seats that could be filled with seekers. People who need to be here. 